Hello and welcome to Meet Him, the newest addition to Virtual Inforum. My name is Terry Barclay and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Him podcast series introduces listeners to male leaders who share what they've learned about the value of diverse leadership in their companies and in their own leadership journeys. And I'm so excited that joining me today is Sandro Dinello, President and CEO, Flagstar Bank, and a member of the Inforum Men as Allies Roundtable. With more than four decades in leadership roles with this Michigan institution, Sandro brings a well-informed perspective on building diversity into the workplace culture. And he is such a strong advocate. Welcome, Sandro, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Terry. It's my pleasure. I look forward to chatting with you today. So uh, knowing how uh, busy you are, let's just jump right in. How do you encourage your team to think strategically about gender balance? I don't think it's very difficult, really. Uh, most people do embrace it, and I, I think that you know, when you operate a business that's a service business and you're serving a broad community, in our case, it's even a national community, it only makes sense to look like the people that you're trying to provide a service to. And I haven't found any problem getting people to agree with that. Now, maybe that's because we recruit a certain type of person. And so it's not that we have to convince anybody that that's the smart thing to do, not to mention the right thing to do, but I think, you know, more importantly, from a business point of view, it's just the smart thing to do. And um, if you look at the companies that have done it, and, and I'm, I'm one that likes to look at other people's, other companies' successes and learn from them. That's where I think you find what the best practices are, better than, you know, somebody's opinion in a management book. And I think it's pretty clear that if you look at companies that have had very um, strong diversity and inclusion programs that you find generally companies that have had pretty good success too. You know, um, that's so true, but you know, the shadow of the leader is also important. And I think that you're setting, uh, you know, really setting and making an, a, a conscious effort to set the right, the right tone at the top. So Maybe you could talk about that a little bit, because from where I sit, you're a really strong ally in this work. So what does being a male ally mean to you? You know, it's a, I've been asked that question before. I don't know if I really have a great answer to that, other than to say, I, I just don't, I, I don't look at things male, female, or black, or white, or Hispanic. I, I, I just don't look at things that way. I never have in my life. I wasn't brought up that way. And so if somehow I'm different because of how I think or how our organization operates, well, it's not, I'm not intentionally trying to be different. I'm, I'm just trying to be who I am. And, and I think if you are true to who you are, then it's all pretty easy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's just, that's a great answer. And maybe that's why it's so, um, transparent to everyone on your team and who, who you hire. I mean, it's, it's just that you've built a team that uh, understands that that's the culture and, 
and that's the way things are done uh, at at Flagstar. Do you have any any comments on what male leaders who uh, want to be supportive of making change when it's needed or or continuing to have positive environments if they're already created? You know what can you what can male leaders do on a day to day basis to encourage and facilitate diversity? Are there specific things? Well, you made reference earlier that you know that's a tone at the top, and I think that what when you when you when you are at the top, you know we don't really do any work. I don't do any work. I don't I don't prepare spreadsheets, and I don't try to do the analytics. You know, in the in a real detailed way, I try to look at things from much higher level. And I think that the most important thing that de- that leaders have to do is hire the right people. Um, I'm a you know, big, uh, good to great fan, the Jim Collins book. And, and that's the key to success. It's, it's, it's hiring the right people. So as long as you hire the right people that think the way you think, and then they hire the right people that think the way they think, then it's a domino effect in the organization. And what I found actually is the hardest thing to do is to get it to go all the way through the organization. And the bigger you are, the more complicated that is. So the answer that I'm gonna give to almost any question about what increases the likelihood of success is almost always gonna start with having the right people. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really true and really powerful. And also, not always easy to do, right? (laughs) No, it isn't easy to do. And you have to recognize when you've made a mistake. Mm. And that's really the hardest thing to do. Because as humans, we have this emotion, you know, in our system. uh, uh, And it makes it harder for us to do the right thing when we've made a mistake. And, uh, but I found that, you know, if you, if you, if you do make the change when you've made that mistake, it's not only in your best interest, probably in that person's best interest as well. So you really have to be you know, true to your belief that people are the most important thing and make sure you're hiring people that are, that are clones of you in the way you think about leadership. Because if you do that, then my comment earlier about not seeing people as white or black or male or female or Hispanic or anything else, that's that works. It just works. Now, in an organization, you have to force that, and, and it starts with HR. HR has to understand that this is who we are, because, you know, typically you have a lot of females in HR, and so they, of course, believe in, in diversity and, and inclusion, uh, but then as an HR uh, person, their job is to find people, and oftentimes they're measured on how quickly they fill a position, and if we, if we, if we, pressure people and human resources that way, it's going to be a problem because if you really do want to have a diverse work uh, force, you must take the time to provide a diverse list of candidates to the hiring managers. And that is no simple task. It's much, much harder. I can tell you at the executive level, you know, I don't, I don't really hire that many people anymore because not that many people report directly to me. You know, it's six, seven, maybe eight people. But when I do get that opportunity, I, I require our search firm or our HR people, whoever is doing that search, to take whatever amount of time they need to take so that I'm given a diverse slate of people 
to consider in the hiring process. And by doing so, I think we've had some success putting um, Hispanic uh, females, uh, African-American females at the very highest levels of our organization. I'm really quite proud of that. You know, Sandra, I have to tell you, uh, you talk about that as if it's just a matter of fact thing. But in fact, broadening the search for talent and insisting on diverse candidate pools for open positions, the research absolutely backs you up that that is one of the number one actions that leaders can take is insisting on that broadened search and uh, not allowing searches to come to a premature close because it's easy. So, you know, you're, I, I just love the way you're talking about that in a very matter of fact way. Like, of course, this is how you do that, but um, you're absolutely right. You know, so often the metrics by which HR departments are measured have to do with the speed of, you know, filling open positions and uh, that those two things can be, you know, that's a natural tension that's in the system, but um, not all companies are, uh, uh, I don't know, willing to have that same flexibility in order to make sure you've got a broad pool. So kudos to you for, for that. Well, it's, it's not, it's not easy, you know, and, and, and you do, you do have to have more patience, but you know, my feeling is at the end of the day, you're still going to pick the right candidate. We're not, we're not doing this because we specifically want to hire a female or a minority. We want to hire the best candidate. But if we don't have the diverse pool of candidates, we'll never build a diverse workforce because you're going to, you're, there's, the, the pool is going to, the, that you're going to have access to much easier and more, easy, more easily is going to be at the executive levels, white men. Mm-hmm. And there's generally white people across the board. So, you know, you, you've, got, you've got to give it a chance. But if you do, what we find is nothing changes in terms of the quality of the people, whether they're, again, male, female, white, black, Hispanic, the quality of the people, if you're picking the best person, is still high. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you've been a leader yourself for many years. And you certainly have hired many leaders over the course of your career. Is there one characteristic that you believe every leader should possess? Absolutely. Humility. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That would be the number one, humility. And number two would be intensity. Now, that might seem odd because they might seem to to, uh, uh, be on opposite ends of the spectrum. But I think that, you know, if you operate with and a tremendous amount of intensity. And I'll describe that as meaning that, you know, you, you're, you wanna win, you always wanna win, you always wanna do the right thing. And every day, whether you're the CEO of the bank or the teller at the bank, every day you come in with a purpose. And the purpose is you're gonna get, get your job done, you're gonna do it right, and you're gonna do it well, and you're not gonna be satisfied with anything less than that. By having that level of intensity, you will win. Uh, and if you make sure that you're always doing things the right way, then that humility comes through. And so, I, you know, you never have to pound your fist on the desk to get somebody's attention. You never have to raise your voice. Uh, even though I've been at this company for almost 41 years, I honestly can say, I, I'm not going to say I've never gotten upset, 
But I can honestly say I've never pounded my hand on the desk. I've never raised my voice and yelled at anybody. Um, but I still get results. And I think that humility, which, which I define as saying, when, it, when something goes right, you're giving credit to the people that you hired, the people that did the job, the people that did do it the right way. And, and then when it doesn't go well, you are humble and, and accept the fact it didn't go well because you didn't hire the right people. Mm -hmm. You either didn't hire the right people or you don't have the right plan, but it's on you as a leader to accept responsibility for that. Mm. And if you do that every day, the trust that you build in the team is, I can't even describe how deep it is, you know, and if people have that level of trust in you, they, they, will, they will work really hard and they'll really care. And I think our company has really seen the benefit of that. And I don't mean just because of me, but I mean because of the entire executive team at Flagstar, because we're all very similar in how we think. I think the way that people have rallied in this environment here over the last eight weeks, I mean, I'm, I'm not only blessed to have these people, but I'm proud, you know, to work beside them and to see how, you know, they we took 4,000 out of 47 people and put them remote you know, literally overnight and never lost a beat. And, and I have less complaints making it their way to my desk today than I did in this pre-COVID environment just says tremendous things about how, how if you think this way over long periods of time and you really do the right thing in terms of who you hire, the benefit to the company is I, as we started this conversation talking about how it's not just the right thing to do, it's the smart thing to do, it really comes through. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know that's so <clears throat> that's so true, and I've uh, experienced the um, how smoothly the company has made that pivot. And you're right; it's it's just completely unforeseen <laughs> circumstances like this. It's that really tells you whether you really have a team or not, and uh, you know it reveals <laughs> how strong the team is when you're dealing with the unexpected. So those are great tips, humility and intensity. I'll, we'll have to, I'll have to remember that. We will need to include those in the tips that we have for the podcast. I think you're a person who has always strives to learn. So how do you continue to grow and develop as a leader? Uh, I think uh, learning from others because you never know everything. And I really do follow the successes of other companies and I, and I look at the CEOs of other companies and see what they've done that's worked for them. And I, and I try to, you know, emulate that as best I can because you're never, you know, we're never perfect. We're never com a complete person. You know, that you, you if you ever think that, then the world's <laughs> going to pass you by because things change. The world changes, you know, the way people think changes. Um, technology changes. There's these things changing all the time. And uh, if you think what worked for you, you know, 30 years ago is going to work for you today, it's not. And even, you know, some things that worked two years ago may not work today. So, you know, uh, uh, a job like mine is, uh, from a time, time point of view, is very demanding. So you don't get a lot of time to read um, fun stuff. <laughs> if, if you're going to really stay up on what's going on in the world, because there's no time during the day, you know, to, to read. Right. 
So, you know, I, uh, I, I read the Harvard Business Review and Wall Street Journal, and then whenever I see something that, you know, sort of piques my interest, I drill down into it deeper, but that's how I continue to learn. And of course, I listen, right? I listen to people around me. I'm, I'm not perfect, you know, and um, fortunately, I think some people, not everybody is confident telling their CEO, you know, what they might be able to do better, but, you know, occasionally <laughs> somebody will tell me what I might be able to do better, and, and I've always got my wife telling me, you know, what I can do better, right? <laughs> she keeps me in balance. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it's fascinating because I think it is true. The higher you rise in a company, the less likely you, you've really got to work extra hard, I think, to create an environment uh, and a culture where it's okay to give you bad news and to, uh, you know, share uh, a more well-rounded picture of, of what's really going on. Uh, so kudos to you for having people around you who are willing to do that. Um, so, so one final question, do you have a favorite quote you'd like to share with us? I do. And I don't know where it comes from. Uh, um, but I've shared it with people over the years. And in fact, with uh, a friend of mine was also a, uh, business customer uh, yesterday who reached out to me, you know, as probably you have, Terry, happened to you in this world that we're in right now. Every now and then you get a text from someone or, or you think of somebody and you send them a text. And I got this text from uh, a friend and a business associate who's in the commercial real estate business of development. And, and he was bemoaning, you know, the situation and how, how difficult it was. And I said, uh, send him back a text. And I said, I, I used this quote for many years. I'm going to share it with you, and maybe it'll help you. Seize the opportunities that the situation creates. Don't dwell on the risks. And that's what we're doing at Flagstar right now. We, we, we view the situation, as bad as it is, as an opportunity, as an opportunity to learn how we can become a bigger, better, stronger company, one that's more lasting, learn from what's going on here to, to build inner strength in our organization. There are risks in our company that we never knew we had that are coming out now, and we're learning what we need to do to fix those, and that's going to make us a better company going forward. And while there are a lot of risks in the, in the current situation, we're not going to dwell on them. We're going to manage them aggressively, but we're not going to dwell on them. And if we think this way, and a mind's a powerful, powerful organ, you can overcome anything, and um, I'm confident that our organizations, and I wish we weren't going through this. I wish the world wasn't going through this, but to, we're, we're going to become a better organization because of what we're going through. What great advice. That is so true. Um, very inspirational. Thank you for sharing that with, with us, and just thank you so much for joining us today, Sandra. Thank you for taking the time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Well, that wraps up our podcast. Please come back to InforumMichigan.org for more opportunities to meet him and meet her. We have a Meet Her podcast series that features women of accomplishments who are sharing their experiences and insights on leadership. And while you're at our website, check out the other virtual Inform components, including a growing library of video tips, 
virtual leadership development programming, and even a series of virtual events. Thank you.